Well, I have to say that many of the parables we've been hearing from the Gospel of Matthew have had an edge. And that is how most parables operate. They cut with the law. And this one, the parable of the ten virgins or bridesmaids, is no different. This parable does not leave you with warm fuzzies at the end because there is judgment. There is a closed door and no one who seeks righteousness by the law alone, by signs of victory or success, will make it. Yet, there is good news here for you who are chosen, that is for you who are baptized, and you who are hearing this word right now, it is that you are chosen apart from your works, apart from your success, apart from your victories, and you are made wise in the gospel of Christ. And even this is not of your own doing. But I, like Paul, do not want you to be uninformed, for you do have a hope that along with your sins being forgiven, and they are, you will be raised to eternal life. And in this good news, you have an unlimited supply of the oil of faith through the Holy Spirit. And so you are brought into the eternal wedding banquet. Amen. Now I know that this parable in Matthew 25 doesn't sit well with many who hear it because I've been hearing it and sharing it along with you all week in Bible studies and in conversations. And this is the feedback I've gotten. We don't like this one, Pastor Jason. It's full of distinctions about who is in and who is out. Questions of the law, of course. Now, I have to say that we love these kinds of questions in our, daily in our daily life, at least if there's a bit of space between us and the judgment and the choosing. Our love of sports, for instance, is fueled by this drama. Who can make the big play and who cannot? It is reality on stage, and we love it. For football especially, injuries can tell the tale of the season this last week, you may have heard or seen that Kirk Cousins uh, went out for the rest of the season two weeks ago, and last week, rookie backup Jaron Hall came out to play quarterback for the first few plays until he too was injured and out for the game, and in came Joshua Dobbs, who not only did not know the playbook, but didn't know the names of his teammates, apparently because he'd just come on the team a few days earlier. Yet... In this reality stage, he led the Vikings to an unexpected victory. Do you like that? Well, yeah, we like that kind of drama, don't we? Even more do we like re reality TV, which shares this in spades. No matter what kind of contests are on center stage, this entertainment is fueled by the personalities, by the successes and failures, by the wisdom and the foolishness of the contestants, the players in the show. And whether you like Survivor or The Voice or Bachelor, Bachelorette, and I'm told the latest is Golden Bachelor, well, or maybe you prefer something a little more genteel like the Great British Bake Off, well, whether you like these or whether you don't, there's no denying that such drama, witnessing and scrutinizing up close the choosing of the winners and the losers, well, that has for decades now captured the American TV audience. We love watching the law at work, 
with all of its intrigue and pitfalls, at least from a distance. But when we hear Jesus share this parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids, the terms are interchangeable in Jesus' context, we hear Jesus say right off the bat, five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. Well, it's almost as if the survivor tribes have been decided already with different colored buffs, five over here, five over there. And in that light, in light of the uh, competitiveness of these shows, we may not be so surprised that as the night gets long, the wise team does not share their oil with the foolish team. And by the end of the parable, the five wise virgins get in and the five foolish virgins are left out in the cold. Doors shut. Like a reality TV show, I can almost hear Survivor host Jeff Probst saying, grab your stuff, head back to camp, I got nothing for you. Or worse, the tribe has spoken as your torchlight gets snuffed out. Now such competition and drama is fun when there's distance, but none of us want our torches snuffed out. None of us want to run out of oil when the groom finally shows up. So when we hear Jesus share this parable with us, it's not so entertaining. It's perplexing. Perhaps the stakes, not just some money or a wedding banquet, but eternity in the kingdom of heaven, or not, are too high. Or maybe it just too, cuts too close. Yet Jesus says the kingdom of heaven will be like this. And while this sounds harsh, for the law is harsh, I want you to know there is good news here for you. For the past two chapters in Matthew, Jesus has been teaching about the end times. He tells about the destruction of the temple and the world itself, the coming of the Son of Man and the persecution that will come with it. And this parable fits right into Jesus' teaching. Now, our first lesson from Amos preached that the day of the Lord would be darkness, not light. Amos says it'll be like you're fleeing from a lion only to be met by a bear. Can you imagine this? This is the day of the Lord, Amos says. That is when you're trying to prove your worth and your righteousness by your cunning or your good looks or your gameplay or your wisdom by the law. You will not win. All of these things we try to cultivate in order to win, Amos says, not good enough. Amos is warning Israel as he warns us that even when you think you are righteous in your festivals and assemblies and offerings, they do not produce righteousness or peace with God either. Yet he ends by saying, let your righteousness roll down like waters, like an ever-flowing stream. And now, in Christ alone, and in Christ's forgiveness, this righteousness rolls down upon you. In the waters of your baptism, when you were chosen, apart from all of the qualities that you like or don't like, Christ said, you are mine. When you died and were raised with Christ, here is his righteousness. For now in Jesus, God made him who had no sin to become sin itself and to take on your sin, to make you brand new apart from anything you've ever done. Here God does not just accept you as you are or as you think you should be, but he kills the old sinner, you, and raises the new saint, you. 
and he makes you wise and new in the forgiveness of your sins. And here is the oil for your lamp, and here is your wisdom, not in the law, but in the gospel. So we can sing with the psalmist today, be pleased, O God, to deliver me, for he is your deliverer. And on this Veterans Day weekend, or on any day really, we can be reminded with Paul of the hope that we have in Christ. That because Jesus died and was raised, so too will you who have faith. For with the cry of the Lord's command, Paul says, the archangels call, and the sound of God's trumpet, Christ will descend once again, and the dead in Christ will be raised. Not that they haven't been held in this promise the whole time, mind you. But then those who are left will also be caught up to meet the Lord, Paul says, and be with the Lord and be with each other forever. We have this to look forward to. If you want drama, there it is. But these words are given for your encouragement so that you may have hope and share that hope with those you love. And when the trumpet sounds and Christ says, like our hymn of the day, Wacht auf, or sleeper, awake, well, you will be raised from your slumber, from the grave, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have Christ's word on it. Amen.